Well, it's been a while since I have been in this position, and I'm glad to be back here. Um, as some of you know, Mark and I, our family went from two kids to four um, last February, and uh, the end of the summer, I took a leave of absence that lasted until a few weeks ago, um, just recognizing the need to be present at home and help uh, manage the crazy. So I'm excited to be back here. Um, I would say that the crazy has like escalated again a little bit since coming back to work. I think that the kids like sensed that. Um, but it's a gift to be with you this morning. And I'm excited to get to jump into the series that we've been walking through together. So um, for those of you who've not been here, we're going through what's called the New City Catechism. And a catechism is just a teaching tool that's been used by the church um, throughout the centuries to help um, new and old believers in the faith um, put language to what it is that they believe. And the Heidelberg Catechism is the one that um, folks in this tradition, the Christian Reformed Church, are maybe most familiar with. But we chose to um, go through the New City Catechism as one that kind of um, grabs the best of a number of different catechisms. Uh, it was put together by Tim Keller out at Redeemer Church in Manhattan. And so over the last few weeks, we have been talking about um, the law of God and what is the law and, and how do we relate to the law. Uh, this morning, I get to talk with us about sin. What is sin? Why does it matter? Uh, that's one of those things where it's like, right? Like it's so big. How do you begin to talk about it? And I kind of wandered all over the map this week because I tried to figure out what it was that um, the Lord wanted us to hear this morning. Um, so most of us grew up with a pretty clear idea of what sin is. You would probably um, have, have given a list if you were growing up um, in the church. Uh, your parents probably were very clear about certain things that were sins, right? If you grew up in a conservative church, um, drinking, dancing, gambling would have been on that list, right? Uh, or going with anyone who did any of those things. Um, today, there's some more controversial things that might go on that list for some and not for others. Abortion, women in ministry uh, might be on some folks' list. Um, and not to mention kind of the breaking any of the big commandments, right? Murder. Uh, adultery, theft. So for many of us, when we think of sin, we kind of get this running list of behaviors, activities that are sins, things to avoid. But this understanding of sin is drastically wanting. If our understanding of what sin is ends with simply a list of things not to do, we have missed the point. If we step back and reflect on the state of the world, we maybe begin to get a sense of it, right? In Europe today, there are still refugee camps that are full to overflowing with Syrian refugees from the war happening there. In China and in India and in many other developing nations, people are dying daily as a result of pollution. You can argue the effects of global warming, but the reality is that pollution kills people in our worlds today. There are villages in China um, that their entire livelihood uh, is found pawing through American trash, looking for bits of copper and other precious metals from our discarded electronics. And that process is killing those people. 
closer to home, right here in the States. Kids are being poisoned by drinking the water that comes out of the faucets in their homes. We are attempting to recover from multiple natural disasters in our nation. Uh, hurricanes that resulted in massive flooding and loss of homes that could have been avoided if city planners in those cities had done their job thoroughly in the past and not built neighborhoods in floodplains on land that is under sea level. And right here, our streets are littered with needles, with dirty human beings who have no homes, who have no hope, who have addictions that are killing them. And then there's the issues that fill our news today. Racism, white privilege. National leaders that make our news seem more like bad reality TV. And then the situation that Joey prayed about just now, the green bean yesterday. The world is out of control. The world is out of control. We cannot question that. Everything is broken. Everything is broken. And the result of that brokenness, the, the cause of that brokenness, is sin. Is sin. So that's what we're going to reflect on a little bit together this morning. We're going to do it a little bit differently than... Um, there was a, a text that came with the catechism, 1 John 3, 4, and it talks about sin as lawlessness, and I tried digging into that this week, and I wanted to do justice to a specific passage of scripture, and I just had to scrap it yesterday, um, because I feel like sin is bigger than that. And so there's not going to be one passage of scripture this morning, and part of me as a pastor feels like wrong with that. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the story of Scripture this morning. We are going to tell the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation so that we can see the effects on a massive cosmic scale of sin. All right, So that's where we're going this morning, and I hope that you can walk with me through that. So let me pray, and then we will begin the story. Lord, open our hearts this morning. Uh, hearing Joey pray um, about the situation of the green bean yesterday just kind of wakes us up maybe more thoroughly to the reality of sin, to the, the reality of the brokenness that is everywhere, that many folks um, encounter as personally as we did yesterday every day of their lives. Lord, give us soft hearts to hear what it is that you want us to hear today. What is sin? Why does it matter? Give us ears to hear, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1, all right? The story of everything that is. In the beginning, God, all right? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. God was before all things. God, the creator of everything that is. Genesis 1 goes on. In the beginning, God created, all right? This is how it all begins. These are the stories that we hear told as children. And we learn about the seven days of creation and, and all of the things that God created. On the first day, he created light and dark. He separated the two from one another. On the second day, he created the sky. And then he separated dry ground from, from water and he, he made plants to grow. 
The next day, he created the sun and the moon and all of the lights in the heavens. Everything that is on this earth and not in this earth comes from the Lord. The next day, he created all of the creatures in the sea, the crazy things that you see when you go to the beach with your kids, the crabs that you find when you flip over the rocks, the sea cucumbers that you poke at at the aquarium. On the sixth day, he created all the animals on land, all of the crazy things that you see when you watch the Discovery Channel, when you flip open a natural geographic book. And at the end of that, the pinnacle of his creation, the thing, the only thing in all of his creation that God said, it is very good. The last thing that God created was Adam and Eve, male and female, humanity. And then he looked at all of that and he said, it is very good. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Well, this is the story of scripture. This is the story, the true story of how everything that is came into being. And in the right ordering of things, this is how we read the story, right? When we open a book, we read from left to right. In the beginning, God. God then created all things. And then he created humanity. He placed us into the midst of his creation to care for it, to tend it, to steward it, to help it flourish, to bring about the best of all that creation could be. So in the right reading of the story, everything comes from God, everything points back to God, Humanity finds its identity in God. It says that we are made in his image, male and female, made in God's image. Who we are, what we are like, finds its being in God. Our purpose, the reason that we are here, the way that we exist in space and time, is given to us by God. He puts us down into creation. He says, tend it, steward it. Make it flourish. Our purpose comes from God. When things are the way that they are supposed to be, everything that we are, everything that we do, flows from God and is in reference to God. And the result when we read the story this way is good. It's very good. Now this picture that we get here, when when we picture Uh, the garden. This is a picture of shalom. This is a Hebrew concept. Uh, Nicholas Wolterstorff defines it as universal flourishing. Right? It's, It's a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied. Natural gifts are fruitfully employed. It's a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder. He says, shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Reading the story this way is the way things ought to be. First, God. God creates humanity and he gives us a purpose to care for creation. Now, 
Now, shalom, this beautiful reality, lasts for an entire two chapters of Scripture, right? And then Genesis chapter 3 comes. And we have a serpent enter the story. And that serpent introduces doubt. He causes Adam and Eve to doubt God. Their trust is broken in the goodness, in the providence, in the provision of God. Even surrounded by all of this stuff. Shalom. Life as it should be. Adam and Eve begin to doubt God. And in that moment, when they choose to take that piece of fruit off of that tree against God's command, everything gets twisted. And that twisting is sin. And that twisting is playing itself out in every aspect of our lives today. Adam and Eve are suddenly ashamed of their nakedness in that moment of twisting. Their relationship with one another becomes twisted. Adam and Eve are ashamed in the presence of God at this point. They have to run and hide, cover themselves with leaves. This God that up to this point they had wandered through the garden alongside. In this moment when doubt enters the story, their relationship with God becomes twisted. And as punishment for their doubt, for the sin that they commit in in turning their back on God, God curses their relationship with the earth. Work becomes toil because of the twisting that happens in this moment. Have any of you seen the movie Grand Canyon? Danny Glover. It's old. I hadn't seen it. Came out in the 90s. And there's a scene in the movie where Kevin Klein is driving his car and it breaks down in a really bad part of town. And this is, cell phones existed then, and so he calls the police, or he calls a tow truck. But while he's waiting for the tow truck to show up, a car full of gangsters drives by and pulls in behind him and begins giving him a hard time. And it becomes very clear that things are not going to end well for Kevin Klein. But then the tow truck pulls up and out gets Danny Glover. And he comes up and he diffuses the situation. He begins to load the car onto the the truck. And as he's doing that, he has kind of a conversation off to the side with one of the gangsters. And he says this. He says, man, the world ain't supposed to work like this. Maybe you don't know that, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And that dude over there is supposed to be able to wait with his car without you ripping him off. Everything is supposed to be different than what it is here. Maybe you don't know it yet, but this ain't the way things are supposed to be. Stephanie and Autumn, working their shift at the green bean yesterday, should have been able to do that work without fearing for their safety. The customers sitting in the green bean should have been able to sit there and enjoy a nice Saturday morning without fearing for their safety. 
That guy that came in needing to use the restroom should have been able to use the restroom without the staff having to fear that they were, he was going to go and flush syringes down the toilet or do something else to make the bathroom unusable by the rest of the customers. Things are not the way they are supposed to be as a result of sin. So you see, sin is so much more than that list of behaviors from our childhood memories. Sin is a twisting of the very fabric of creation, of the way things are supposed to be. Sin is the reason that we say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin is a violation of shalom, a violation of the way God intended creation to be. And it affects absolutely every part of reality. All of our relationships with one another, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with creation. It's all broken. It's all been twisted. So going back to the creation story. In the beginning, God. And God creates. Koala bears and grasshoppers, stars, the sun. He makes man and woman, and he makes us in his image. And he places us into the midst of the goodness that he created to rule it, to take care of it, to tend it. But as we've seen, instead of trusting God, Adam and Eve turned their backs on God. They chose not to trust him. They chose to disobey God's command not to eat of that tree in the center of the garden. And in turning their backs on God, as Roman 8 tells us, from that point on, everything becomes twisted. As the pinnacle of God's creation, humanity begins looking not to God, but to other created things for their identity. What happens as a result of sin is that instead of reading the story from left to right, we begin reading the story backwards. All of a sudden, Humanity is looking to the created things which have been twisted as a result of humanity's sin. We begin looking to these twisted things for our identity, our work, our relationships, wealth. All of these fallen, broken things begin to be the things that we are looking to. We begin making God in our image, not the other way around. We begin to read the story backwards as a result of sin. Paul in Romans 1 says that because of this, because of this twisting, because of this reading the story backwards, ultimately God gives them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. And the result is evidenced around us every day. Everything is broken. Everything is broken because we have turned our back on God. We have chosen to rule the world on our own, apart from him. Everything is twisted because we don't trust the one who created us. And this is sin. 
Another helpful way to think of sin is as idolatry. And Tim Keller, who put together the New City Catechism, also has a book called Counterfeit Gods. And in it, he defines sin as idolatry. He breaks it down into all of these different types of sin. But he says that sin is not just doing bad things. It's making good things into ultimate things. Right? Making good things into ultimate things. The image that came to my mind was the story that my dad tells of his favorite Christmas. They bought me a Barbie dream house that I had wanted all year long. Well, I went crazy when I opened it. But sin would have been me walking into the kitchen and getting stuck with the wrapping paper when there's this dollhouse that they've been waiting to give me all year. And I can't get to it because I'm stuck on the wrapping paper. Sin is making good things into ultimate things and then building your life and your meaning on those things more than on God. We want to make sin about right and wrong. But I think often it's simply making good things into ultimate things. It's getting the story backwards about not trusting God, putting our trust in created things, finding our identity here instead of here. So sin is idolatry. And sin is a result of our failure to trust in the one who created us. If I were to ask for a show of hands, I would imagine a very large number of you would say that you wrestle with some negative effect of stress. Lack of sleep, bad sleep, ulcers, migraines, anxiety, depression, think that we live in that state because functionally we live in a way that shows that we don't trust God. We can't stop. We can't rest. God created in six days and then on the seventh day he rested. He calls his people to rest, to be a Sabbath people. And yet because we don't trust God, we don't rest. Everything is broken because we don't trust our creator. We make good things ultimate things. We worship the things of this world. We seek our identity in those things. And the effects of this sin have seeped into everything. Romans 8 says that all of creation has been subjected to the curse and is groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Don't we experience that groaning? We add our voices to that groaning. Everything is broken. Barbara Brown Taylor is an author that I appreciate. And in her book called Speaking of Sin, she says that if we are to bring healing to this broken world, then sin is our only hope. And that is a very counterintuitive statement um, when you first hear it, that if we're to bring healing to our world, sin is our only hope. But she points out that in America today, we have tended to label wrong, wrong acts as either crime or illness. And so then the solution to whatever the wrong is, is either to legislate 
or to medicate. But clearly, legislation and medication have not fixed the problem. Clearly. Sin is the only thing that points out to us that we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. Sin matters because it's a category of wrongdoing that cannot be fixed through human means. And it reminds us that we need a savior. Sin matters because in acknowledging the reality of sin, the magnitude of sin, in acknowledging the truth that everything has become twisted, we become open to the possibility of change, of shifting away from reading the story backwards, back towards a right ordering of things. We open ourselves to the possibility of allowing God to be God. Sin matters because it drives us to Jesus. Well, we're coming to the table this morning, and I, most of the time, I'm grateful at the end of a sermon for this physical reminder of what we've just been speaking about. Um, That Christ is the answer to our sin. He has already done everything that is necessary to pay... um, for every sin that has been committed. The solution is here. We just need to turn to it and accept it. So let's take a few moments um, to be quiet as we come to the table to reflect on perhaps places in your life where you have allowed good things to become ultimate, where you perhaps are not fully trusting the Lord. And then we'll come to the table.